Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to the GNT Show, where once again we dissect the world and the happenings and the goings on in the world of the NRL. I am, as always, joined by my host with the most, a man who single-handedly bought Kia to Belmore Car Park as a sponsor, and then single-handedly was also responsible for them losing them. Gee, how are you this week? Geez, thanks a lot for that one. So, can I sit in the Kia for seven years under warranty in the car park? <laughs> Which, well, you got, I think you've got to do at least one K to trigger the trigger the warranty. Okay, I'm here for, I'm here for the hundred thousand K service. How many Ks have you done? Five. <laughs> Well, it's also run by time as well, but I'm good, thanks, this week. Well, sort of, anyway. What's what's the matter? Well, welcome back to the NRL Hour, where we go through G's problems. What's the matter? <laughs> oh, we need to give the NRL Soapy a name. Like, Days of Our Lives is a bit old. What do you want to call it? We'll have to think about it. We'll, we'll have come up with a name for it next week. I've, I've already got a name for it. What's the show on Netflix about the, the Roman Empire? Oh, God. That's what we should I've call seen it. it. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> actually, it is Valandis. It's the Valandis Empire. That's that's it. Maddie jo- actually, Maddie Johns did a very revealing interview with him during the week. I don't know if you, you you managed to catch it, but it was it was quite. I missed it. He's he's the perfect man for the times. Now, if rugby league grows and becomes a great sport again, and 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 gets to where we all think it should be at the top of the pops, and really challenge starts challenging the AFL, then Valandis may not be the right guy for the for the times, but. Recovering from COVID, where quick decisions are required, we're in crisis, lots of things like that. I actually think he's the right man for the job at the moment. Well, he's the emperor. He whatever he says goes, and it happens really fast. No, well, that's right. He's slowly, slowly <laughs> destroying democracy in the NRL, which is a good thing given how the clubs run it. They've spent whatever budget they've got left for for lions at the NRL headquarters. That's right. Apparently, they're gonna instead of um, blowing the siren at the end of the game, they're just gonna have Volandis with a thumb up or a thumb down to indicate. Whether he enjoyed the game I, or not. I think they should. So, you know what? If it was up to him, the Coliseum would be built where the SFS was. That's right. That's right. Roman Coliseum. <laughs> him in a toga just going. Him, him yeah. and Rusty. So what, caught your, what caught your eye in the wonderful world of the NRL this week? We had the Desi Hasler story. We had Jason Tormalolo issue with Todd Payton, which I thought was great. We had James Graham on concussion. The drama that is the NRL keeps on giving. What caught your eye? Having watched James Graham play for the Bulldogs for quite a few few years, he's actually mentioned it before that he was happy to go back on the field concussed. I mean, long term, that sounds like a crazy thing. But he played. He played that way. He played that way. Sometimes he did. Kind of almost too brave for his own good. I think Peter Fitzsimmons made a, a good comment during the week in terms of you know he you feel that way now. You're in the moment. You're still sort of okay to some degree. When you're 25 years down the track and you look at some of the the symptoms of um, concussion for some of the NFL players, they forget things, they get overly violent, they become ultra-impulsive. Um, you might feel a little bit differently. But it was interesting to hear him bring a counter-argument. How can you, how can you tell the difference from between your description of CTE versus a normal NRL player? Maybe you would get bigger hits. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it, look, I like the fact that they're focusing on concussion so much. And you know, I think the care will hopefully get better and better. The AFL has got... A trial coming up with the mouth guard to measure the the force of hits through the mouth guard and the sensor, which it'll be very interesting to see what that shows up and whether that can improve player care. So, looking forward to to that 
this is the type of stuff that the NRL needs to really invest. You know, it needs to be on the front line. I, I think we've got to start having, if, you, if you're taken off from a game for concussion, irrespective of whether it's grade one, two or three, and the NRL's got a new grading system this year, you miss a week minimum. And if it's a grade three, the worst one then, or a grade one, whichever one's the worst one, then it's two or three weeks. And I think it needs to be a standard thing now that um, we, and, and, and it signals that people are taking it seriously. Now, I think both Peter Fitzsimons and James Graham, we're into such clickbait headlines. I actually think if you listen to the whole interview with James Graham, he was very reflective, very, very reflective. And he even said some of his comments in the past were him trying to portray an image. So I, I actually don't think he downplayed the importance of it or the seriousness of it, but rugby league was his life. And I think the point he was making was it's, it's hard to see past that sometimes. And I, and I read Peter Fitzsimons' piece during the week, and I thought he was quite magnanimous about it as well, time, you know, in terms of time will tell. So yep. it's, it's a tough issue, right? It's a really tough issue, but we've got to stare into it uh, because I think it, it can only head down the way of the NFL if the NRL don't get ahead of it. Yeah, and I mean, look, the other thing was um, we've had Suali's exemption being provided which is no surprise you know he'll be probably i'd imagine paying for the roosters i watched a little bit of his game on the sunday bad weather in sydney in playing for norths mind you great to see the bears in some sort of fashion out there but did you have your trench coat on at the ground it was raining so yes i did so right, right. Um, and i didn't even get kicked out believe it or not i was like a scout in the stands old school <laughs> And um, yeah. remember Sherlock in Rugby League Week? That's what you were. Yeah, you know he physically seems up to it, but you know he's still seventeen years old. I mean, he's he's a big guy; he can move pretty fast. He's fluid. Saw a glimpse of Sam Williams. Sam was it? Sam Williams? Sam Walker for the Roosters. Sam Walker. That you've mentioned <laughs> him a fair bit. Sam, Sam Williams. Williams. Oh look, who is Sam? Who's Sam Williams? It's, um, he's on the bench for the Raiders. And why? What's he got to do with Joseph Suwali? Oh, he, you know, you saw a little bit of his talent that you you've sort of mentioned a few times over a number of pods. So, uh, uh, there, you know what? There is a lot of up and coming halfbacks, and what we've got in the NRL at the moment is we've got some really, really high level great halfbacks. But then what we've got is we've got a big group that are mediocre. Yeah, or, 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 or that can do a role. I have my own thoughts on the way halves are going in, in the way the game's played these days. Melbourne is a great example of halves to some degree in terms of they play a role only. They're not the main orchestrator of everything. They've got a system where everyone sort of fits in, I think. Well, everyone's got a system. Everyone's got a system. And, 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 and we're seeing actually less systems now, which is great, which is great for footy. The new rules is absolutely... I mean, the teams were out on their feet. It was incredible. We've got to be careful what sport we want. We're going to see a lot more blowouts with these new rules. I'm, I'm critical with tinkering around the rules. I didn't like the abolition of the scrums. I thought that was a bit silly, but it, it almost seemed to have the right pace. Players were getting tired, but they were still there. They just couldn't recover enough in time through wrestling or slowing the game down to you know, charge up off the line constantly and shut down any attack. So I, I do like some of it. So can I can I give you can I can I can I give you some stats? The the play of the balls were almost identical to last year. The game the games lasted a minute and a half shorter. Yeah. B- ball in play time was almost identical. Interesting. Although although they were out on their feet at the end of the game. So- they looked fatigued. You're right. So that that's that was because that was all the way through the teams. There was players where once the momentum built up, you could see they were just gone. They couldn't cover the gaps anymore. So. It leads to what you said about the blowouts. And in terms of Todd Payton, hey, he had a had a go at Jason Tomalolo. I he was one hundred percent right, in my opinion, one hundred percent right. 
incredible season a few years ago. His stats are high, but like I said, he either gets tired or he's a bit. It seems like Payton thinks he's a bit lazy, and he has been. He has been for a few seasons in defence. I think so. Yes, because the issue is the issue is he gets through so much work for them. He's just become. He's a bit like Payne Haas for the Broncos. I mean, he's just a battering ram. He's taken twenty five hit ups, two hundred meters, forty tackles. Right? They're not getting any impact from him. It's a bit like Nathan Hindmarsh in late in his career for the Eels. He lost all the run, you know, all the attacking flair that he used to give them on the edge, and, and and he could pop a pass, and he lost all of that. He was just tackling. That's all he was doing. You know, it's interesting to hear a coach call him out so openly in a press conference, which usually doesn't happen. He's trying to set the culture. He picks. You, you, it's like a it's like a schoolyard, right? You pick the biggest guy and the biggest bully, and you call them out, and then everyone else falls into line. I I, I think Todd Payton's doing a good job. I must admit, I thought he did a great job with the Warriors, and I think. I was, I was 100% supportive of what he said after the game last week as well. I don't disagree with him. And the other thing is, he does look good when he's saying it. So you can't complain about that. And <laughs> So we've, just, we've, we've, we've got an email here from John at New South Wales Police asking you to stop commenting on the appearances of the NRL players. Peter Volandis has requested your cooperation, G. Am I going to find a lion outside my front door in this? No, but I, but I've sent you, I've sent you, him your photo of you in a trench coat, and he sent one back of himself in a toga. Well, that's okay. As long as I'm on um, Volandis's right side, I'm good to go. Had the odd trouble with the odd um, Pacific Island names, and you've had a few new pronunciations. So we've got Papali'i instead of Papali, which yes. was a lot easier to say. But yeah. Um, so we're going to go through a learning experience with some of the new names too. And um, Klockstad, is it? Klockstad. 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 You know, proper pronunciation. So that's pretty He's cool. He's German. It's German pronunciation. Klockstad. Klockstad or is D- Danish? German? Well, I thought it was German, but maybe I've got it wrong. Yeah. Honestly, that's kind of it at the moment, except um, not, so nothing crazy has happened this week. Not yet. Give it a chance. It's... <laughs> The season's one round old. Are we? Are we? I mean, I don't know. I think I'm in shock. I mean, um, I've got withdrawal symptoms. Nothing outrageously crazy has happened. Although the Desi, I thought, you know, they were thinking of sacking him. That's the way it was presented. At oh, first. this is the Fairfax Daily Telegraph argument. Yeah, every year, every week, this happens. Daily Telegraph, Phil Rothfield came out and said they want to sack him. Exactly 24 hours later, the SMH announced that he was extended. They weren't wrong because they actually said, you know, it sounds like the board really wants needs to talk to Des Hasler. Yeah, they didn't mention that to extend his contract. <laughs> <laughs> I left that part out. The, 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 the problem is, the, the problem with the Sea Eagles is one, Tommy Turbo. Like, Des's, Des's teams don't work without a fullback, which we've mentioned before. But the second thing that's really... Quite, um, quite challenging for them is I think they complete. I think and Desi this year, Desi did this at Canterbury as well. I, they've mismanaged the salary cap. Like sixty percent of their money is in five players. Oh, he's done that all the time. You remember when he left Manly the first time? Yeah, he left them with all those back-ended contracts. Huge. Basically, everyone was making a million dollars at the back end of the season. He's I'm out of here. See ya. We'll go through their team this week, but but Jason Saab, Brad Parker, Moses Suli, Ruben Garrick. I don't think Kieran Foran's on that much money. Lachlan Croker, Andrew Davey, Curtis Sirinan, and then you look at the list, you're into Goslowski, Kast, Kepi, Paseka, like John Schuster's up and coming. I think they're the ones on less money, if I <laughs> But that's right, so all the money's in Dylan Walker, assuming Kieran Foran is on like three or 400 grand a year. It's Daily Cherry Evans, Josh Aloia, Jake and Tommy Turbo. Yeah. That's it. Not much. That's it, there's five players there that's taking up the whole cap. 
or half the cap. They're, they really are mismanaging the, the salary cap, in my opinion. And the other thing which was great was it's good to have the footy back because I got text messages from you, which is, this is irrational, Tim. As soon as the Eagles start playing, I get messages going, my God, these guys are going to give me a heart attack. 2021, welcome back. Can I tell you, it is not good for my heart conditions or my heart to watch the Eels. That first <laughs> half to second half, that team does my head in. I love them, but I hate them, if you know what I mean. They... Yeah, oh yeah, I oh, know. Don't <laughs> oh worry. Oh my God. It's been a long 36 years, let me tell you. So you want to move on to round one, or did anything else catch your eye this week? No, no, no. Let's get into round one. Let's cover the games off. So first off to kick the season off was Melbourne versus Souths. Melbourne got up 26-18. Um, Souths had never won down in Melbourne. And, and Melbourne have never lost a round one game under Craig Bellamy. So naturally, I tipped Souths. And, <laughs> and I tipped Melbourne. I told you. So, uh, and a lot of people did tip Souths before the game for the to- and, and for the title with the, with the additions of Benji, J. Arrow, Josh Mansour, and a fit again, Latrell Mitchell. And, and off the back of them smashing the Saints in the charity shield. So given all of that, naturally, Souths were completely dominated through the middle. I think their, their pack might be a little bit small although it's only an example of one, and they were down 22-0 after 30 minutes and effectively the game was over. Souths came back in the second half and injected Benji earlier than they than they would have liked, and along with Jay Arrow was probably their best on the ground. Souths made a lot of handling and defensive errors, but I never thought they were going to win, even when they were mounting that comeback in the second half. I, I don't know whether you've got a view on Damian Cook, but I think we're now into the second season where he's playing badly. He, he barely got involved. I think he only had three runs. Latrell looked good, although I actually still think he's carrying a bit of weight. And Ryan Pappenhausen was absolutely brilliant. He's my champion. Oh, and Cam Munster was great also. Now, just one quick stat before I, before I get your thoughts on the game. Souths completed only 25 of 40 sets. For, for the whole game, they only had possession for 20 minutes and 40 seconds. And Melbourne had it for 33 minutes and 40 seconds. So Melbourne had the ball a good 13 minutes more than Souths did. Great start for the Melbourne. It's looking ominous. What did you see in this game? Kind of what I expected, really. I think Melbourne will win the comp again. And nothing I saw is going to make me change my mind. And the fact is... We talked about Remus Smith. He was carved apart any time South ran. And in fact, Rico <laughs> Lee was an upgrade. <laughs> they they just ran at him and he was all over the shop. And despite all that, they still won. So they had a clear weak link that South targeted in defense. And they were just they just play at a speed that's hard to comprehend. And other teams struggle to match it. The new rules suit them, gee. They do. And they've got, like you say, class across the field. Like Pappenheisen is involved even more. His try is just she speed, involvement, and acceleration. Then you've got Munster was fantastic. I mean, they had, a, like I said, a clear weak link. But they still... Blue Souths away, who people thought would win the comp, and Latrell looked fantastic. He did. Yes, a bit heavy, but he looked great. You know, I just think Melbourne's at a different level to them. It's weird. It's like Penrith and Melbourne, from what I saw in the first week, are still at a level that's a little bit higher than some of these other teams. Well, it's only round one, but a couple of things I'll say about the game was Souths were completely dominated through the middle of the middle of the park. They actually looked like they were physically dominated by the Melbourne forwards. So I'm a little bit worried about. Well, one, their aggression, but also their size. I think their, their pack might be a little bit small. Now, for Rima, in defense of Remus Smith, this is the latest because of how late the season finished last year. This is the latest in Craig Bellamy's 20-odd years there that they've showed up for preseason, apparently. So they didn't get as much run in their legs and as much time with the players before the game kicked off as, as I would have thought. But 
One, one other thing that I saw, if you're seeing it, there's a few teams playing three playmakers. It's back to the 80s. It is. There's a little bit of that. I want to go back to your point about Damian Cook. He needs to be more dynamic from dummy half. Like, he needs to run more, but maybe they've tried to curtail his running game a little bit. But it's actually, I think, hampering South a little bit. Do you think they've deliberately done it, or do you think he's lost a bit of confidence? I think he's lost a bit of confidence. He looks to me like a person at the at the base of the ruck that doesn't know when to run it and when to pass it, so he's just passing it. Look, I didn't look at it that way. I always think that it's a game plan scenario, but you could be right. I'll probably look at him a little bit close and see if he's sort of taking chances where otherwise he wouldn't think. It was more instinctual and he'd just go. Correct, correct. So he'd see someone lying in the ruck or there'd only be one marker or there'd be another marker on the on, on the on the ground or whatever and he, he, it'd almost be like he wouldn't think about it he'd just go one I think the defenses are doing a better job of not not letting Damien Cook split them because he's so quick but yeah. secondly I think you know if there's a half chance I think he's he's just in his shell possibly right I think they need him there but when they brought on Marshall and they had three playmakers out there they looked a little bit more ominous in attack south they had a they had a little bit more spark around the fringe and on the centers but just Melbourne oh, they're just too, too good. good too good too good and they just seem to find these giants like do they drive around Melbourne and just pick anybody that's over six foot five and 160 kilos you can't be that hard to spot a person who's six just bundle them in the car yeah. hey you you in the in, yeah, the, get in, in the, the car in the high point food court there's that that guy looks massive come on grab him just grab him a couple of guys come out of the car goons come take him take him off to training not to come kamika where did he come from Gigantic! Oh my god! I mean, I, look, I, I I don't think it was a great round of footy. I thought there was only one good game, to be honest with you. One one and a half good games. Yep. But I think this is the way the, the league's going to go with these rules. It's interesting that the stats don't show that the game's getting quicker, but clearly there's fatigue in the game. So, um, but this wasn't much of a contest. At twenty two nil, I thought there's no way Melbourne's going to let. Souths win it from here. Cody Walker again flashes a brilliant. So you know, a great season. Looking forward to watching him play. But look, Souths looked fit. Melbourne looked classy and sharp and ominous week one and for week one for me is about seeing what teams shape up like physically because if you're behind physically and you can't keep up that's not something you can catch up with you know by training extra hard during the season well i mean i don't i don't agree with that okay wayne bennett's teams always start with a bit of pud and always start less fit than the other teams and he and he puts the run in them 10 weeks out from the finals so that they're peaking so i'm, I'm not sure i'm not sure now that's not craig bellamy's philosophy he gets them no right up and about and keeps them there the whole season. So different coaches have got different philosophies on the on this sort of stuff. And and I agree with you to some extent because there's so many ex Craig Bellamy disciples now coaching other teams, Adam O'Brien, Brad Arthur, mm. etc. that I think a lot of teams play that way now or do their preseason that way, but I don't think it's the only way. I do think you can get fitness as the season goes on. Yep, okay. Well, but, you know, both teams looked pretty good. Did you? I didn't think Souths looked good at all. Uh, they've still got class in their side. But Wayne Bennett, round one, you can't read too much into it. And and, and, and so we'll see We'll see how both teams go. Melbourne's obviously up against the, the mighty Eels and, and, and Souths have got... <laughs> Souths have got the Sea Eagles at Lotto Land, so apparently they're going to, which whose crowd is limited to six thousand, but we'll cover it. So we move along to the Friday night games. The early kickoff was Newcastle against the Dogs. So once again, for all our listeners, grab oh, a bottle come of on. wine. Grab a bottle of wine. Come on. Grab a bottle of wine. Lay back on the couch. Put some Barry Manilow on and tune in for Bulldogs. Barry Manilow. Hour. Well, that's the first thing that popped into my head. I was going to go with Barry White and Barry Manilow slipped out. Don't judge me. Look like how hip and cool I am. What about Harry Styles? Excellent, G. That's great. So I don't think any of our audience know who (laughs) Harry Styles is either. So the Dogs have always matched up well against the Knights. They've won eight out of the last nine times they've met. And and the Dogs have had a lean trot the last five, six years, right? So 
So that, that this is a team they always seem to do well against. And the dogs started well after after David Clemmer dropped the ball, um, and and Kyle Flanagan took advantage of a terrible read by Bradman Best on the left edge. I have no idea what he was doing there, but anyway, Nick Kotrick had a shocker at left centre. He dropped the ball twice that led to Newcastle tries, plus a disgraceful shot on Toho on his try that that no one spoke about on the TV coverage and it hasn't showed up anywhere on the match review panel. So, Are you trying to improve our team by getting him suspended? Well, <laughs> well we said this last year, right, when he was signed for you guys. He's not a centre. And so centre in the defensive line is the most technical position in the defensive line. Forget about the attack for a second. It's the most technical position in the defensive line because you're the one that's sliding or up and in, left or right shoulder, Often the block plays head are designed to isolate the centre. So it is a very, very technical position in terms of defence. And if it, it was only his 10th game in his whole life at centre. So he's not going to he's not gonna be great straight off the cuff, right? No, he was all over the place in defence. Like reading plays, he, w- he was everywhere. But if it's his 10th game, then you know what? You've got to have patience. Uh, and I'm lucky I don't drink wine when I watch Bulldogs. Otherwise, I'd be recovering for the next two days. You did look better in attack. But like we thought, defence wasn't so crash hot. And, and particularly through the middle, your defence through the middle. When, when Connor, Connor Watson put Mitch Barnett over just before half time to make it 18-10, Newcastle then went on with it in the second half. The Newcastle forward pack dominated. Clemmer, Siafidi and Tyson Frizzell, what a great addition he's been to Newcastle after one game. They, they ran for close to 200 metres and, and some of them over 200 metres, Siafidi. I also noticed that Newcastle have adopted the Parramatta defence. So it's the up and in defence where they defend very narrow. So you saw that with the Bulldogs getting around them a little bit. Yep. So And they were more vulnerable in defence out wide because all the space is outside of the, the winger. That's part of it. Watching Steve Folks coach for so many years, that's the way they used to defend. Everything's old is new again, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, but, but having said that, it didn't work for Parramatta in the finals because teams worked them out. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for Newcastle. Connor Watson, after Kurt Mann's ACL, was fantastic. Why isn't Connor Watson starting? I am continually blown away by how much heart he's got, how tough he is, and how good he is. He can actually do a lot of stuff. He's a great defender. He can pass the ball. He can run it. And push comes to shove, I reckon he could probably kick it. So I don't know why he's on the bench. Katoa, Jackson, and Kyle Flanagan missed 13 tackles between them. Combined, Avrilo and Flanagan ran the ball five times for 14 metres. Now, I'm getting to a point here. This is the exact same performance Kyle Flanagan used to put in at the Roosters. He'd set up tries, but missed tackles, and he wasn't good in the red zone. He looked better because the, the, the players around him weren't as good, but I think this is the exact same performance he used to put in at the Roosters. I'm not, I know everyone's raving about how much better Kyle Flanagan looked and all that sort of stuff, but I, I, I think as a t- coach on a technical element, I'm not sure he's doing anything different yet. And the offloads were 16-2. to 2. And the dog's completion rate was 26 out of 36. I mean, the second half wasn't great for you guys. It, it really was a bit of a blowout in the second half. But you fought like hell for the first 30 minutes. What did you think about your doggies? Uh, can we move on to the next game? No, no, no. The fans want to hear about your thoughts on the doggies. They're better, but they're still pretty poor. They're better in attack. I don't know that they're better in defense. I have grave reservations about Corey Allen at fullback. I think he was a beneficiary of playing in so much space at South that he looked far better than he is. But he did all right at Origin too. 
too. Yeah, but mate, he's surrounded by great players, right? Now that he's the fullback and he's meant to add some attacking spark, he was nowhere to be seen and he's very slow. He's just not fast enough. I'll tell you what, Jake Averillo would be disappointed too. I don't think he was great either. No, but for me, with Corey Allen, right, there's this expectation. But the thing is, I think he'd be probably more solid at center or, or wing. He's just... He, you can see he's got skill and he can read the game, but he's not fast enough. And it, it shows more in our side, in the dog side, because we're not that fast across the park anyway. Kotrick, there was a couple of times, yeah, when he busts clear, he can sort of run. But if you really look at it, he's more a bullocking type of player and he doesn't really have the same speed he used to. No, because he's He can bust up. out of tackles, right? Will Hopawadi, skillful, again, slow. The, our fastest player, again, was Nick Meany, who barely touched the ball. Yeah, he did He did barely, he did barely touch the ball. They looked sharper, right? They, this is the fittest I've seen them in a long time. They tried hard, they looked sharper. All the teams looked fitter because I think they tried to trim them down. Even Junior Paulo's lost five kilos. But Avarillo, I think, is wasted at 5'8". I think it hampers, it doesn't give him enough space to operate because he's quite fast and skillful. The Knights are one of the better teams within that, 7 to 13 range they kind of blew us away at the end and in a way they were too good Frizzell having lost his weight looks like a totally different player to me he was fantastic now his athleticism and his speed and his he shows up even more I think and it really gives the Knights like something different in the back row but honestly they were they were too good like and they were missing their best player Kalen Ponga and we scored right at the end, but really, once they sort of clicked into gear, they blew us away. Napa, uh, the more I see him, the more I just think, how the hell did this guy play State of Origin? He's always been overrated to me. Can you please refer to him by his full name? Dylan Napa. No, Big Puppy. We just... Long season. You predicted them to finish 11th. Well, we got there in the end because you only thought there was 15 teams in the comp. Yeah, I know, but um, they're playing a little bit differently. I think their attack will take a bit of time to get used to, but... You can sort of see where one of the, I guess, one of the poorer sides that are on the upswing in the NRL, which is, look, it's an improvement from last year. And to be honest, that's, that's sufficient. But I don't think without a good fullback who adds any threat to the line, I think you, your attack really struggles. So I'm, I would rather move Allen. I'd move Allen to the wing and move Meany to fullback, to be honest. Well, I mean, it gets a little bit easier for you guys this week with the Panthers, so good luck. And how about the faith in Avarillo? Like, I think um, Trent Barrett's got to drive over to Penrith and stick that burden in in one of the Kias and drive him back to Belmore. That's, oh, oh, that's the only 100k. Well, they're not going to release Why should the Panthers release him? They shouldn't. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous what you guys are doing. He's under contract at the Panthers. If they're not going to release him, tough luck. If I was the Panthers, I've got a chance to win the competition. He is my key utility that fills in in one of our key positions. If someone gets injured, I wouldn't let him if go. If Luai or Nathan Cleary gets injured. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let him go, and I understand. But then I think as a club, Canterbury should back, you know, back the players they've got and bring him in for next season. For the Knights, honestly, this is they want to make the eight. These are the teams that they have to beat. And honestly, they were too good. And, you know, Saifidi and all these players played really, really well with Ponga back. Yeah, they're not looking too bad. I think I thought the Knights played pretty can, well. Can I call it? I think Josh, Josh Jackson's career is done. We'll see how we go. But, yeah, I felt that way for the last couple of years. But hopefully not. But, you know, hey, there's always next week. We can always be Penrith. Yeah, yeah, that's good luck. <laughs> what I mean by that is he's, not, he's, not, he's clearly on the downward swing of his career. Absolutely. And, and if it keeps Absolutely. trending that way, like another season or two and he's... he's England, right? So he's just he's just an average second rower now. He misses a lot of tackles. He's not he's still trying really hard. But you know what? I just think he's been such a great warrior for the Bulldogs, but 
they they've just put too much run into him. He's just he's a he's a young horse that's just that run too many races. Yeah, that's like us trying to jog around the park. It's well, it's it doesn't we don't quite look like stallions. <laughs> no. If we move on to the second game on the Friday night, it was Brisbane versus Parramatta. So what can I say about this game? Uh, we came in complacent. We made too many errors. The right-hand defence was terrible. We were terrible at reading. Wonga Blake and Blake Ferguson continue to be a problem on our right edge. The, the defensive structure continues to be narrow, right? They got around Sevo with the kicks and around him by passing the ball. and So the Broncos were good. A- Anthony Milford was great in the first half. The swap of Sean Lane to the right and Ryan Madison to the left failed miserably. Oh, yeah, give them time to get used to it. I'm aware of that. I'm, it's only one game. <laughs> But it was the Broncos. They did finish last last year, and we were down 16-0. The Broncos had 63% possession in the first half. They completed 20 out of 23 sets. Para only completed 9 out of 16. So completed sets, Broncos 20 in the first half, Para 9. They ran for almost double the metres and had double the runs, obviously. So, so, So the other thing was we had no composure in attack in the first half. Mitchell Moses couldn't find a way. He was better in the second half. I was actually encouraged by his second half performance. But for me, Reid Marnie sparked us back to life in the second half. He scored one, set up another and had a couple of line breaks. Just absolutely fantastic. He was everywhere. He was sensational, I thought. The Kate Evans-Papali swap was absolutely in our favour. Papali was fantastic. Blake Ferguson's best game in a few in, in, in like twelve months too. Ran for 153 meters, got that try at the end. He was tough as nails. Um, it was it was great to see. So that obviously contract year, so trying a bit harder. In the second half, we completed 23 out of 26 sets. So whatever Brad Arthur said at halftime worked because we were we were better, right? We completed our sets. We showed them a bit more respect. We had 12 offloads to four, and in the ni- first half we made nine errors and. We came down to four in the second half, and we had 82% of the territory in the second half. So second half was much better. We were complacent. We took them for granted in the first half. And and what also helped us? The Broncos' injuries. They ran out of legs in the end. Coates, Lodge, and Asiata all got injured. They didn't have they had one sub left at the end of the game, so that helped us. Carrigan and Turpin got through a lot of work, and Milford's best game in 12 months, I thought. He was particularly that first half. He was fantastic. And the young Broncos backline was spirited. Zarko, Coates, Herbie, the love bug, Tessie New and David Mead. I thought they were niggly. They they had a go, right? So I really liked that about them. Actually, that last 20 minutes was fantastic. I think this was one of the best, better games of the round. It was exciting. I think partly because Para underestimated the Broncos and probably thought, hey, we're going to blow them away. I think Opacic looked pretty good. Yeah, he did. He hasn't been great in attack, right, in his pre- at North Queensland, but... He's, he's always been solid defensively. He was riding, running the right angle. He looked okay. So he looks like he could be a really good pickup that either forces Wanga Blake or Jennings out. And I, I thought he played really well. Well, do you think do you think the do you think Opacic will force Jennings out, or do you think there might be other issues forcing Jennings out? Okay. Next question. <laughs> I thought the Broncos. You know what? They're better than last year. They are. They Xavier are. Coates was fantastic. I got them. I got them in Newcastle wrong. Newcastle's got to prove its consistency. But I, I'm actually going to tip the Broncos over the Titans this weekend because I thought I didn't think the Titans looked good at all. And we're going to. Well, make... I, I struggled. We'll talk. I struggled with that one as well. But like Herbie Farnworth. I can't wait to hear about what you thought about Jimmy Dimmick and his attacking structure at the Titans. I don't know whether you watched the game, but I'll be interested in your thoughts on that. Um, I think the Jimmy Dimmick hour might go on hi- hiatus this week. <laughs> so. Um... It's on a holiday. Taking one of Scott Morrison's holidays. Um, Herbie Farnworth, I thought, was really, really good. Like that was spirited. They had a go. 
And David Mead, talk about a blast from the past. Yeah. I remember he was one of my favorite players when he was playing for the Titans. Remember how fast he yeah, used to be? He's yeah. like 32, and he's still really quick, right? But Milford seemed to die off at the end. Like he seemed. Well, the packs were beaten, and he had no possession. Yeah, but for a 5'8". That's what I liked about Mitch Moses. He was much better in the second half. Much, much better in the second half. Milford had a good first half. He's kind of where Mitchell Moses was a couple of years ago. Remember when he copped all that criticism? Yeah. But... Too late. Yeah. I mean, he's got to, he's got to produce it for a season. He's going to have the odd ga- game that's great here and there, and he was good in the first half. But he's he he can't be worth if he's in the open market. How much does Anthony Milford get? Not much. He probably struggled to make some of the teams because they'd believe in some of their younger players. I'll, I'll tell you who, and I can't believe I want to say this, but do you know who I thought was practically the best player on the field? Who? Tavita Pangai Junior. Like <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, he was good. Oh, my God. You know, last year, we, he was actually a source of um, comedy to some degree. but <laughs> He had a rough year. He had a rough year. <laughs> provided us great material, but he was everywhere. Like, he was chasing players down. He was running, like, and stepping. Like, he was sensational for Brisbane. Yeah, he was. I, he was great. Huge improvement. Um, but, you know, some of the younger guys are going to get better. For Para, like you say, Ferguson, I thought, look, he's trimmed down a lot of weight, and he looks better for it which is great. Reed Marnie was freaking everywhere. Some of our tries were great. Unbelievable. And Junior Paulo, like, he's still kind of like the fattest guy out there, but the guy... Well, he's lost five kilos. I think he's down to 200. That's what I love. It's like, yeah, hey, I've lost, you know, I've really had to watch my weight. I'm down to 135 from <laughs> 150. Like, he's, he's at 115, I think he said. But, God, that guy's got a motor. Yeah. Like, his stamina is incredible. You look at him and you think he's the guy that's going to get tired. He's actually not the guy that's getting tired. No, he's unbelievable. Papa Lee was fantastic, G. Come on, give the man some credit. He was. He was really good. He was like the Energizer Bunny. He just kept going. And you know who I, I think might make a bit of a difference for Para off the bench this year with some of the tiring defend, defences? I thought Will Smith created a little bit of danger when he was on later in the game when some of the players were tired. His agility and his speed kind of, you know, the, the new rules suit him. It allows him to have a greater impact. You know, and, and he's made that transition, right? He was originally in movies, on, you know, like The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and now he's, <laughs> oh now, he's, God. now he's on the bench for the Eels. He's acting like a football player, is he? Correct, correct. <laughs> Jesus, he's, he's hit some harsh times. God. What do you mean? He's upgraded, mate. He's upgraded. It's a crappy movie. The Fresh um, Prince. I wonder if that's his nickname, The Fresh Prince. I will be interested. Look, the, the weather in Sydney is horrible this weekend, so I think it's a bit hard. It's going to be a slog between Melbourne and Para. But with Para, I'm going to keep a close eye to see... What part of Para was right? Was it the first half or the second half, or they're actually a bit of both? Well, we we never play well against the Storm, nor do we ever do well in Brisbane. I mean, we won't we beat we upset them the first ever game the Broncos played at Lang Park in their first game in the comp. But generally speaking, historically, we haven't travelled well to Brisbane and we haven't travelled well to the Storm. So I think once they once they clicked into the gear, they look pretty good. Yeah, uh, fingers crossed. They they need, they did my head in though. So let's 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 move into the Saturday games. And uh, Jimmy Dimmick and the Warriors. The Warriors versus the Titans, and the the Warriors got up 19 points to six. Um, I thought this was a terrible game of football, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, It wasn't the funnest game to watch, I have to say, which I'm surprised about because I've got some of my favourite players and coaches in the the game. Kind of disappointing, to be honest. Terrible game. And and Titans committed way too many errors in the second half. Eight versus one by the Warriors. The Warriors played... A very Phil Gould style of football. Very tight. Complete your sets. Don't make errors. Kick to the corners, right? Anthony Griffin's game plan. Ash Taylor was nowhere to be seen for the Titans. 
And I thought AJ Brimson had one of those games where he just didn't fall his way. I mean, he was always backing up. He was always trying to do the right things, but he just didn't get the, the luck of the draw, really. And Corey, But Corey Thompson was really good for them. I thought he, he ran two, for over 200 metres and got a try, and I thought he was excellent. Oh, very dangerous and involved, Corey Thompson. I thought he was excellent. He was excellent, right? Poor Brian Kelly got injured again. Yeah, but he, he also played poorly. He did, yeah. but He had a shocker on the left. He seems to always get injured as soon as he's trying to find his feet or start of the season. He's got some talent, but they'll miss him. But do you think so? I don't think they will. I, I thought he was terrible. Okay. So if that based on that game, he he wasn't great at all. He was he was terrible on that. For the Warriors, Aiden Fanua Blake was amazing. 177 meters, 19 carries. Bailey Sirinan, who scored a try and th- threatened throughout. Now let me give you a stat: the Warriors completed 40 of 43 sets. In 30 degree heat, oh, it was pretty good. 40 of 43 sets. So that's that's that's. Good ball control in that heat last Saturday. I, I didn't think it was Chanel, Chanel Harris-Tavita's best game either. Ewan Aitken, despite picking up an ankle injury, was great on the left edge with 16 tackles without a miss and 132 metres. So I, I thought he played really well for the Warriors, actually. So well, He's out out for eight to ten weeks. Played well, and he played on that injured ankle, right? So, But the one thing I will say, though, for him playing that well, they didn't really threaten him in defence, right? I, I thought the Titans' attack was poor, really poor. Um, yeah, um, Jimmy, we need to, Jimmy, we need to have a chat this week. I thought the Titans were very disappointing in attack as well. I, I felt like their game plan was a little bit more conservative sometimes because they're trying to use their big boppers. I think they're trying too much to get Fafita and Tino. Fafita had, he was okay, would be the way I'd describe him. I thought Tino was better. Tino was better, but, but David Fafita is flattering to deceive and he flattered to deceive last year. And he's got all the physical elements, and apparently he was in hospital during the week, and there was a few, few issues on that front. But but I, I don't know. It's just that he's on a lot of money. I just felt they were trying to play to his strengths rather than, you know, last year they let the ball sort of move and players were running into gaps and stuff. There was elements of it there, and like you say, I think some of it didn't come off. But I actually think they missed Tyrone Peachy ball playing in at lock and actually freeing up the attack a little bit. They were too focused on. The Fafita. Now, having said that, it is the first game, but I'd hate to think that this is a new strategy to try and use their new weapons, so to speak, because what made them, I think, fantastic last year is they went for the, the throat, basically. Any gap, they attacked, they backed up, they, they trusted their skills as a football team, and I didn't quite think that was there on the weekend, and the, and the Warriors weren't, I don't think they were solid, like you say, but I don't think they were that great. It's just when they had um, opportunities, they you know had an offload. Well, they played risk-free football. They think I think, and I think that's the way Nathan Brown's going to get them to play this year. He's going to get them to play a much more Australian style of footy. You know, I'm going to give the Titans a little bit of time, but if you know round six or seven comes and they're still struggling in attack, you know, I think I have to reassess where they might finish this year because yeah, I agree. Things should start to you know gel or at least have their philosophy of play last year show up. Unless they've changed it. And I think we're going to have to wait a few weeks to see whether that's the case or not. I agree, but he w- Justin Holbrook wouldn't have liked the signs in that first game. I, I didn't. You're not the coach of the team. But I'm Jimmy. I'm, I'm in the stands cheering on Jimmy Dimmick. Unless Justin Holbrook's ringing you during the weekend, you haven't told me. In which case, I think the Titans have bigger problems than we think. They might have bigger problems. <laughs> I'm just going to text Justin now. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the closest game of the round, the Roosters versus Manly. Um, the Roosters won this 46-4. to <laughs> There was absolutely no positives in this for Manly. No Tommy Turbo, no Manly. 
Teddy had a field day with three tries, two try assists, and Brett Morris getting a hat-trick. Um, naturally, Billy Moore was the Dally M point scorer or the assessor, and uh, Teddy, despite widely playing what many consider his greatest game ever, um, got one point in the Dally M points. So uh, I don't know what game Billy Moore was watching. So Manly played with three playmakers, Dylan Walker at fullback, Kieran Foran at 5'8", and DCE at halfback because Tommy was out. So again, another team that played with three playmakers. Um, it didn't make any difference. But that Kieran Foran looked good in attack, terrible in defence. They scored seven tries down his side. And Dylan Walker didn't get it. He's not a fullback, right? I mean, he, he ran for 57 metres. And DCE on the other side to Kieran Foran missed seven tackles. Manly's left edge was particularly sloppy with Brad Parter, Parker and Ruben Garrick missing a combined six tackles as well. So that it just it just was a terrible day out for Manly. They've got a lot of problems. From a Roosters perspective, the Luke Keary switch to the right was fantastic with the Roosters' right edge now being Keary, Tupanua, Manu and Brett Morris. I I think it might be the best right edge in the comp. Oh, Tupanua was, he was sensational last year. But look at that right edge. That's your right edge, right? That's 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 the right edge that's trying to score and the right edge that's trying to defend. Keary, Tupanua, Manu and Brett Morris. You're not going to you're not you're not going to score and they're going to score quite a few on you. And I think against Manly that was kind of the weak weak area too where you had Foran on the edge is not quite as quick as he used to be. It's harder for him to move around. They they carved that side apart. Like with Tedesco, cool. he was just fantastic. Manly doesn't have a recognized hooker. Jake Friend got his third concussion in 6 months. I mean I mean that he's got to he's got to be out for a while, right? I mean he, the Roosters had seven line breaks to one by Manly. They made 39 tackle breaks to 18. Their average set went for 51 metres. The, the Manly set only went for 36 metres. And, and Manly had 39 missed tackles, including seven by DCE. Angus Crichton and Tupanua were great for the Roosters. Manly are in a bit of trouble, mate. I, I, I don't know what you saw, but but I, th- I think they're in a bit of trouble. I think they hung in there for a little while, which was funny, right? Because... First game of the season, though, right? If you get carved up... 10 minutes in, there's a bigger problem. I think the issue was they couldn't keep up the speed of play because that, that's what I saw. Like the first 20 to minutes to half an hour, they seemed to be able to match it a little bit here and there. And like you say, Dylan Walker was playing almost like another 5'8", really. And he just doesn't seem to have the spark he used to, which kind of makes him a bit redundant at fullback. But once the Roosters sort of clicked into a different gear and then Manny almost just... It's almost like they just tired them out and they just got blown away. It could have been... 50-60. Um, Tedesco, I found, was heavily, heavily involved. Like, you know, not sort of picking his spots. He was there all the time, which made a massive difference, I think, to the Roosters. Like, huge difference. Tupanua looked incredible. It looks like he's just gone to another level with another season of first grade. I think the Roosters were just at a different pace. I think Lachlan Lamb played pretty well. I think he gives him a bit more directness in Flanagan. So he plays off Kiri. They, they're both direct. He's just more of a ball runner, I feel, than Kiri is. Kiri was sensational. See, Kiri was sensational. I don't think they threw much at the Roosters, right? After the first 20, 25 minutes, the, the, you know, Manly capitulated. They had nothing. No, after that, they had nothing. And um, it just they didn't seem to have the pace. It's like occasionally they would they would play at a different tempo and threaten the defense. But generally speaking, they were just... It's almost like they were going through the motions, but they weren't. They were trying to threaten, but they had nothing. But, you know, the Morris twins, I don't know if it's because of the space. Because at the end of the day, we were talking about how they're a little bit older. But they are still big and fast. Yeah, they're still fast. And Kieran, sadly, dislocated his wrist. But he looked okay out there as well for the Roosters. So, 
I I still think the Roosters will finish around fifth. They but they looked incredibly sharp, and like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if they came third, for example. But they were one of the three teams on the weekend that I thought, oh my god, wow. But I don't know if it's because they were that good or Manly was that bad. Probably a bit of both. But for the first week, Manly, um, the Roosters looked really good, and Lindsay Collins was excellent. Fantastic, doing all the stuff that no one sees. He was, he was, and I think I think he got the two points from Billy Moore as well. He might have got the two or three points. It's those little things that I think he adds compared to Jared Maria Hargraves. He's starting, you know, he's getting a little bit older, so it might give them a bit of a different dimension too. The Roosters, but the Roosters are the Roosters, and they just flogged Manly. Oh, they were, they were fantastic. Yeah, they were good, great results. So the top four from last year is looking like the top four from this year again, even even after round one. So we move on to the last game of the not so super Saturday. Uh, and this was the Panthers versus Cowboys. And this was another tight affair between two very evenly matched teams. Naturally, the Panthers won 24-0. Now, the big talking point out of this game was Todd Payton trying to limit Tom Lolo's minutes in order to prolong his career. And we spoke about that at the beginning of the pod. And, and try to get him back to his explosive best. So they're trying to get him explosive rather than workmanlike, which which I personally agree with. Um as a result, though, he only played 27 minutes in the first half and 24 minutes in the second. At, at half-time, he only had three runs for 28 metres and seven runs for 55 metres for the game. I think, Tim, they'll find the balance, but I agree. Like, he needs to be... That's his strength. I've got a point to make here. He didn't do anything in his 51 minutes. <laughs> well, there goes my argument. Okay. He could have done something. He didn't do anything. Okay, there's an argument about how many minutes he plays, but seven runs for 55 metres in 51 minutes. I think we just have to wait and see uh, what happens in the next few weeks because Todd Payton called him out. So there might be something, there might be a little bit more to that. But... Called him out for the defence and the, 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 the line speed and the, and the laziness from, from marker. But he didn't run the ball either. Like, he didn't do anything. Honestly, I thought the Cowboys looked... Again, better than last year. I think they look a little bit more enthusiastic. So, um, Drinkwater looked good at fullback. Valentine Holmes, actually, to be honest, I would say physically doesn't look that much different than last year. Or maybe I'm missing something, but expecting some kind of um, physical improvement because, you know, adjusting from the NFL to the NRL. It wasn't a long enough off-season. Don't forget, the, 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 it finished late last year, right? So he hasn't had the same run in his, the off-season. So I think there's, I think one of the reasons Todd Payton came out is the same thing that happened with Paul Green. I think the players, a bit like the Brumbies in the old Super Rugby, the, the players run the show up there. And so I, I think this was Todd Payton putting his foot down, going, actually, I'm the new coach in town and I'm not going to let the players do whatever the hell they like. Now... Despite all this, some, some points for North Queensland. Michael Morgan was terrible. Not Didn't get involved. <laughs> not enough touches in attack. And he was, again, he was poor in defence like he was last year. So he, so he was terrible. Jake Clifford had a night to forget with five missed tackles and four handling errors. They would have been better having the old wooden man from the Kung Fu movies at halfback. He, I mean, he would have dropped the ball less if he'd hit it. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, their spine... So is it Wayne Bennett as David Carradine, the guy from Kung Fu? <laughs> oh, my God. That's the oldest reference ever. Yeah, but he could play it. He could play that role. Oh, yeah. He could. So their, their spine, as picked, was Drinkwater, Morgan, and Clifford. Now, I actually think that needs to become Holmes at fullback, Drinkwater at 5'8", and Morgan at half. Whilst everyone... I'm supportive of Todd Payton. I'm not sure he picked their best spine. So that's another issue. Um, for the Panthers, though, Nathan Cleary quietly had one of the most dominant halfback performances you're ever going to see. Two try assists, 17 runs for a halfback, 17 tackles, 
and 347 metres gained through kicks. Brilliant performance by Nathan Cleary. Brian Toe scored one and was a wrecking ball. And can I, can I also say this? Dylan Edwards, another one that looks looked sharp out there. And if he plays like that every week, that could be the missing link for them. Kikau looked impossible to bring down. Compare that to David Fafita. Now, they're similar types of wrecking balls, right? But Kikau yeah. impacts the game. Fafita doesn't. No, I think... Look, with the David Fafita comment you made earlier, I think with Fafita, you know, there's a danger with some of these players where he shows, you know, once every couple of weeks where you think, oh my God, I can't believe someone can do that, where you've got a 19-year-old running through everybody literally like the Incredible Hulk, and they think, oh, if he can do this all the time. But there's a danger with players like that where it's almost like they remind you what they can do every few weeks. But the consistency, I mean, you don't expect them to do that all the time, but then the consistency is not really there, and they're actually generally ineffective. But I'm with you, Kikau, he's really come along a long, long way. Like, he's turned into a, an agile wrecking ball on the, on, the, on the fringe, right? So, Capewell, I think he gives them a little bit more punch than Martin, who I think is a good player, but he's more of a solid, good trier that you know, gives everything he's got. There are just a... I mean, I'm with you. Like, Cowboys, I didn't think they really offered much. I actually think they're still very big as a side, and I got carved up a little bit once the game got faster. Morgan didn't really do much. I thought Fidel did okay as a cover. Like, you know, when people went around them as a center that could cover the winger in the clear, I thought that kind of worked pretty well defensively. But you could try Fidel. You could try the hammer as a fullback. He could be that Matt, Matt Dufty style. He doesn't have the ball-playing ability of Matt Dufty, but that lighter... I'm going to cut through the hole type fullback that injects them there. So, I mean, you could they, they've got to try something. I, I think this North Queensland team, they've got a lot of players on big money and big names and they're just not performing. So the Panthers' left edge of Luai, Crichton, Toho were fantastic. I said the Roosters' right edge might be the best, but I, I think the left edge of the Panthers is just about there as well. Um, seven to one line breaks. Missed tackles, 42 to the Cowboys, 16 to the Panthers. Time in possession, 32 minutes 40 to 21 minutes 46. I mean, they just blew them off the park. It could have been... I mean, Todd, the, the one thing Todd Payton was right, it could have been 50 nil. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I, I watched the game and... Well, it's the one game you watch this weekend, so we're grateful yeah, of for Of course, yeah. Um, no, Penrith was... Honestly, they're in a different level. So nothing's changed from last year. They are athletic and tall and lean across the park. They all pass the ball... Um, they've got the best prop for me, James Fisher-Harris. And then you've got Spencer Liniu, who was chased by Melbourne. He was incredible coming off the bench. You know, their back line, I thought Momorowski was really good. And then you've got Crichton and Toe. And Luai is unbelievable player. He makes it all hum. Like, cause... We said it last year. They've got that joy that they play with, right? They're young and enthusiastic. They love each other's company. You can see it coming out on the field. And he's like the guy, you know, when you're playing touch footy, you know, there's always a guy that dances around and just dances around. No one can sort of touch him until he finds a gap. That, to me, is Luai in first grade. The, the T of touch footy. Uh, oh, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> but, you know, you see him move around and he's looking for a gap and the defense doesn't know what he's going to do. But then he can throw a, a hesitant hesitation dummy and then a pass a longer pass shorter pass he can run Cleary's now starting to play off him this year which I didn't see much last year well no so so that's that's one thing tactically what's happening now is that left right thing for the halves is breaking down they're doing the souths thing from last year which was get the halves combining with each other down either side right so there's more of that happening now as well Parramatta are doing less of that I must admit but <laughs> they just confirmed that 
they're going to be one of the top three again, Penrith. They were, I thought they were fantastic. That, that's not a terrible Cowboys team, although that culturally it looks like they've got a few issues. So if we move along to the Sunday games, and we had a couple of games on Sunday as well. The first of those was the, the, the Raiders versus the Tigers. Um, the Raiders got up 30-12. to 12. The Tigers defended really well in the first half, frustrating the Raiders with six all at half times. Half time. The, Raider, the Raiders had 56% possession and, and 60% territory in the first half. And, and they had 31 tackles. 31 tackles in the Tigers' 20. The Tigers only had 11 in the Raiders' 20. So the, the, the Tigers actually showed... Madge Maguire would have been very happy with their defensive effort at halftime. Um, it all went a bit pear-shaped after the break. But we'll, we'll get to that. The first try came from... Pear a, shape? More like a donut shape. What do you mean? The holes everywhere. The first try came from a ridiculous Bailey Simonson attempted offload, four metres out from his own line. So Canberra had a little bit of the para about them as well, right? They were trying to play touch footy right from the off. Uh, it was, it was it, you know, a flick pass four metres out in the first four minutes of the game. And then, and then they tried to force the issue for the rest of the half. So whatever, again... Whatever Ricky yelled at them at the halftime probably worked. Probably threw the door at them. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Joey Leilua was in the press again. He's rocks or diamonds, this fella. He really, really is. I mean, I mean, Horsberg gave that niggly tackle on his brother and he was right in there again. And, and so, you know, it's easy to rile him up and he's just got to get a bit more professionalism into the game. I'm glad he had a go at, um, was it Michael Innes? Yes, it was Michael Ennis. I think it was good on him. I mean, uh, the other thing, can I can I also say this? I, I actually agree with the criticism of Cooper Cron coaching two sides. I think that's ridiculous. I also think it's ridiculous that Michael Ennis is on the coaching staff of the Raiders, is the colour commentator or the panel guy for the Raiders game and criticises an opposition player publicly like that. NRL, can't beat it. I can't believe we forgot that out of the drama. I just, <laughs> I just don't understand. I love it. Keep it up. And I mean, this is fantastic. Why don't I just go consult to all 16 clubs? I mean, what is going on? Do they have, is there any integrity in this bloody comp? Anyway, I'm blown away by that. He was, that bit he was right. Like, you're on the coaching staff of the other team. How about you shut your mouth? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. I mean, it's unbelievable. I love it. I love it. It's great. Please keep it up. Straight after. I mean, am I wrong? No, but that's why I love it. It's fantastic. Oh, what am I missing? It doesn't happen in other sports. It doesn't happen it's in great. other sports. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the NFL? The Cowboys' offense, offensive coordinator is doing Monday Night Football on Fox Sports in the states and comes out and and just absolutely hammers one of, one of the Eagles players, the Eagles quarterback. I mean, it'd be insane. It's, it's great social media fodder, though. I love it. I mean, back to the game. Straight. <laughs> Straight after halftime, Ryan James found Dane Laurie defending in the line in his first game in nearly two years, and then the tie, and he, and he scored. Yeah, uh, good and, to see him back too. Welcome back, Ryan James. Two first names too. Fantastic. It was straight after halftime. Then the Tigers, Luke Brooks kicked the ball out on the full, and just like that, it was 14-6, and, and James Roberts made a couple of errors on Tigers' debut, and the game was over, really. Um, Tigers tried hard. The effort was there. A few things I will say. The Tigers are absolutely trying to play. This is where Madge's tactics, and you mentioned this last year, he's got to be careful. The fo- football's not the same as when he won the title with Souths. And what I mean by that is he clearly coached the team to lie all over the ruck. And that's football from six or seven years ago. And so he, he got really close to getting pinged. That's not going to work for him as the season goes on. Those players have got to get up a bit quicker and reset the defensive line and get in the line quicker. They just need to be fitter to do it. 
rather than relying on lying all over the play of the ball. Luciano Leilua looked good for them. Yeah, I thought he I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, he, he had a, he had a really good game. Um, Jacob Little doesn't know how to throw the ball from hooker backwards. He threw about four forward passes from dummy half. And if the refs were actually watching the game, they would have pinged him another 10 times. Wait, that's like random. The dummy half passes are so random. Like, I don't know whether it was Luke Brooks overrunning his mark or whether... Jay- but he did it like five... Like, I could spot it from the TV. I mean, you're a, fir- you're a first-grade hooker. If the guy's standing in front of you, don't throw the ball to him. It's like travelling in the NBA, you know, where people take like six steps and they just let it go. That's what dummy half-passing is. Oh, that's only one metre forward. It's okay. I mean, I just... I'm, I'm, it's, it's almost like rugby union. Have you seen the forward passes in rugby union? They're like, it's backwards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't quite work it out, but that's not working. The, the Tigers tried to target George Williams on the Raiders' right edge, but he was fantastic in defence. He brought the big and the small down. Um, what about James Roberts's flick pass to Luke, and then the Luke Brooks conversion? It just fa- that's what James Roberts can do, right? What a fantastic flick pass as he was going out, just just brilliant. And then Luke Brooks with that conversion was great. Joey jo- Joey Tapanay. If you're talking about a guy that suits the modern rules the way they are this season, it's Joseph Tapanay. Not as good, not as good, but he reminds me a little bit of Brad Clyde. He's got an engine, and he's got. Agility and power and speed. I agree. I agree. And and this, the other thing I forgot to mention about Madge was about the old style football. The Tigers' forwards are massive. Oh yeah, they're huge. Afrohangawi again. It's funny. A couple of the Broncos players that have left. Fantastic. Look, I thought he was he was probably their best forward. He was excellent. I think what Maguire is, and I've always thought this about him, is that he coaches a very conservative, rigid style of football. And unless you have the talent. It's very easily defended by some of the better teams. And I think that's what he's struggling with at the Tigers. He thinks it's all about attitude and commitment. And he's 80% right. But that 20% that he had at South were was the talent that he had on the, the side that made the difference. He doesn't have that at the Tigers. So he actually probably needs to shift his tactics a little bit more and be a bit more open-minded with the ball in hand because they've got some ability there. So we have to wait and see. I think... I think the best thing for the Tigers is they hung in. They gave a pretty good effort. They died off in the end. But if we think the Raiders are a clear top four side... Yeah, professional performance. Professional performance. Yeah, and they put them away. So, you know, I guess that's a first week. But I think the Tigers test will come with some of these teams that are around them to see if they can they can beat them. But the, the Raiders were pretty solid just across the park, really. Great, great result for the Raiders. Good start for the season. The last game of round one was the Sharks versus the Dragons. The conditions were absolutely terrible. Um, and the Dragons handling in the first half matched the conditions. The Sharks, in contrast, completed their first 16 sets. So that, that, that in a nutshell, was the game. Chad Townsend and William Kennedy had great first halves. Um, despite having the win behind them in the first half, the, the Dragons were down 14-0. First try came off of Ben Hunt not dealing with the grubber. And the second after Tarek Sims dropped a Kennedy grubber. So, and then the Saints didn't play smart when Jesse Ramian was sent to the bin for a swinging arm on Matt Dufty, which wasn't great. It was a bit of a dog shot. But then they, they didn't get the ball. They didn't have any field position. They didn't take advantage of having a man in the bin. Anthony Griffin must have given the players one of his well-reported sprays. So the Dragons scored two tries after the break. Uh, the first threw a Ben Hunt bomb that created a mix-up between Kennedy and Mulatalo um, that Adam Clune capitalised on yeah, and then Dufty produced a brilliant solo effort right through the middle of the ruck. I hate to admit this, but you know who was who he beat on the inside, who was tired? Who? Aiden Tolman. Can't believe it. Damn it. 
That was it. Tolman, he caught Tolman out, but that was a fantastic try, and I think that's what Dufty... Funny, it was one of those games where, where both teams played better into the wind than with the wind behind them. It was an interesting game. So they had, but basically had a gale going from right to left on your TV screen or, or um, at Cogra Oval, if, if, so from Cronulla to the city, basically, that direction. So the Sharks played really well in the first half into the teeth of the wind, and I thought the Dragons played better in the second half into the teeth of the wind. Cody Ramsey then got the, what, was, what we thought was the go-ahead try, but the video ref called it off, and, and, and the Sharks went up the other end and scored two through Militalo and Kennedy to make it 26-12, and the game was over at that point. Yeah, pretty much. I thought the Dragons, if they had scored that try, I thought they would have won. Well, they, they looked good, didn't they? They looked like they were going to come over the top. I, I, it was 18 all in the second half, so a much better Dragons performance. They weren't great in the first half. I don't, I'm not sure Ben Hunt is looking that great as a halfback, but the Dragons only completed 23 or 35 sets. They're handling, and they missed 42 tackles. It doesn't matter what your tactics are. It doesn't matter who your players are. If you only complete 23 out of 35 and miss 42 tackles, you don't win the game. Jack Bird and Tarek Sims missed seven each. 14, 14 tackles. Jeez, Tarek Sims. Look, I don't know. This game... I thought it was basically two ordinary teams playing basically to their talent against each other. I felt like there was some good tries for the, the Sharks, some good signs, but I didn't think they were that good overall. And the Dragons have improved, I think. They, they looked better, but they're still an ordinary side, but they've got some clear weak links. I know it's only week one, but I'm with you. I thought Ben Hunt, I don't know, he just looks off the pace. It's like it's almost he's not up to it, which probably means you're, you're, like you say, you play him at hooker. But I thought Andrew McCulloch played really well. Yeah. Braley did well. I think there were some good performances, but the thing is you can see that both teams aren't that good, if that makes sense. There were good players during, in the game, but there was more flashes of brilliance from Dufty. Oh, Ramsey looks really good. Yeah, he does. I agree. I agree. Kennedy got involved, which was good. Dugan looks the sharpest I've seen him in a number of years. And I know that one of the Sharks players um, said that this offseason, they've basically trained the hardest they've had in years. Well, I think the Sharks will do okay. I think all those big-name players will be looking for another contract, right? So typical that's typically what happens, the contract year. It's the NBA theory. Look, Josh Kerr, I thought, did really well in the second row. It wasn't too bad. But, you know, I don't know. Saints, it's like unless Dufty and Ramsey pull something out of nothing, they don't seem to have anything in attack at all. They really struggle. They try hard and they look a bit sharper than last year, but something's not right. And Moylan, good to see him playing, but he's missing that explosiveness, whether it's his hamstring still injured. Well, I thought he was okay. He defensively looked okay, and I thought he, he offered them a bit in attack as well. So that was promising, I thought, from Matty Moylan. Yeah. Look, some of the ball playing, I think it remains to be seen in terms of he, you could see that he could spot some of the gaps and he can't really get through them anymore. And that might be just hesitancy with his hamstring, but... You know, the Sharks, you want to make the eight. These are the teams you've got to beat. I thought it was a fairly generally even game for most of it. But the Sharks were just a little bit too good. But I didn't. they didn't impress me that much, if that made sense. Yeah, it was tough conditions too. I don't think there's a lot you can... That's right. You can you can take out of that game. All right, that, that concludes our roundup of round one. So we'll, we'll move on to the, the next stage, which is the, the round two preview, G. And first up on the Thursday night, the blockbuster clash between... The Eels and the Storm. It's at Bankwest Stadium. It is scheduled to absolutely bucket in Sydney and Brisbane all week this week. So uh, it'll be wet weather football all around this weekend, it looks like. And the Eels and the Storm, we have lost five. When I say we, for those of you new to the podcast, I support Parramatta. 
And so we have lost five out of the last six times we've played the Storm. What's your views on this game? I think the rain is going to even things out a little bit. I, look, I tipped the Storm, but in dry conditions, they again play at a speed that I think Parra would struggle to match. I would have loved to have seen this game in dry conditions to see where both teams are at after week one. I think the Storm will win, but I think the rain is really going to make it tough on them because I think their advantage of that the speed and the tempo at which they play doesn't show up as much in the wet. If Para, you know, can hang in there, Para's got the explosiveness to sort of bust through their defensive line with Paulo, Madison on the fringes, and also, you know, sometimes Ferguson and, and Sivo in the in the wet on the wings. You're not looking for as much open space. It's a little bit tighter. They they they're more bullocking type of plays and they can run over the top of you. So I think this would be a lot closer than I would have thought due to the weather. I would have tipped the storm. I'm still going with the storm. But I think this is going to be a really tight game. And this one, I'm not really... I wouldn't surprise me if Para wins, to be honest. So pa- Melbourne are $1.80 favourites. Parramatta are $2. Um, so it's only, a, it's only a couple of points start for the Eels. I think this will be close, particularly given the conditions now. I don't think we'll be able to read a lot into it, though. Um, so that's the one thing that Agreed. I think... Yeah, so I, I, I think that could be said for a lot of the games this weekend. And the conditions may actually lead to a few upsets. So that's, that's the Eels versus the Storm. I'm also tipping Parramatta. <laughs> so, so can't, oh, of course. can't tip against my team. Yeah. I have to. <laughs> I'm the opposite. Can't keep losing every week either. So, we'll... otherwise, I'm down twenty points. <laughs> basically, on my tipping <laughs> competition. Well, that's effectively. Uh, well, Para been good the last few years, so that, that's that's got me there. So we move on to the Friday games. The first ones at Central Coast Stadium: the Warriors versus the Knights. Uh, again, I think it'll be very, very wet conditions. The Warriors and the Knights are both a dollar ninety on sports bet. So. Struck match between them, um, and there's so therefore there's no point start for for either of the teams. So um, I'd be interested in what you think here. I th- I actually don't think this game will be this close. I think I think Newcastle will get them. You and Aitken's out for eight weeks, as we mentioned a little bit earlier in the in the preview. For the Knights, Edric Lee still out. Kalen Pong is out. He's scheduled to come back around four or five. Blake Green still out. Lachlan Fitzgibbon's out. And Jira Mamasei is out indefinitely with an Achilles injury. Um, I I tipped the Knights, but again, I didn't take the weather into account this game initially. Now, if I had to do my tip again, I probably I think the weather wet weather suits the Warriors more. They're a little bit more of a bigger, robust backline, um, and I think that helps in the wet. They can keep things tight and rely on some of those players to you know bust through some of the gaps. And you've got Nikarima and Tavita who are really explosive that, you know, can sort of take advantage of some of the space that we'll create. Um, I think the Knights, you know, it was hard to tell because I thought the Bulldogs last week were okay at times. And I don't know how good the Knights were, but they were impressive in putting them away. You know, thinner, speedy guys like Tex Hoy, Tuala. Well, Connor Watson's a big in for me. Warriors have to do more than they showed again. I thought the Titans were extremely poor. I don't think Newcastle's going to be this poor. No, I thought Saifidi was great too. I thought he was too. I thought he was fantastic. So I just I can't see the Warriors winning it. I think I think Newcastle will get it, and I don't think it'll be that close. Well, I'm sticking with Newcastle. I think they'll win. And I think um, the one thing we didn't mention in round one, and something I picked up is they Jaden Braley is fantastic for them at hooker. Yeah, he was fantastic. He's very crisp out of dummy half. He's his passing's fast. He and he can 
create breaks through his running as well. And I think it helps when you've got some of these bigger guys here. He puts them on a bit of a roll-on so you can get Saifidi in Frizzell. Sharks let the wrong Braley go. Well, they both look pretty good. Yeah, they do. To be honest. So it's like either or. They almost seem like the same player. Well, last year, long-time listeners will remember that you did think they were the same player. You didn't realise they were. You didn't realise they were brothers playing exactly the same position. That was right at the start of the season. But anyway, move on. <laughs> you have given us some highlights. So next game is the Titans versus the Broncos. Now Titans are a dollar forty-two favourites, and the Broncos are two dollars ninety. I actually think the Broncos showed more to me than the Titans did last week. It is at Seabar Super Stadium on the Gold Coast, but I think that the Broncos are going to break their duck here and get this one. That's my special for this weekend. That's my upset. And the line is seven and a half. Can I say that I really struggled with picking this game because the back line and some of the improvement of some of the younger guys, and I thought David Mead as a veteran added heaps to their back line last week for the Broncos. I have a strong feel. Like, I wasn't sure. I'm thinking the Broncos actually impressed me more, and I thought they might actually win this game. But... I'm almost stuck with my heart in terms of I think the Titans will be really good, so they should perform a lot better this week. But I'm not really sure about that, to be honest. Like, I don't know what the Titans showed me last week. I lost a bit of confidence. In, I'm, exa- I'm in exactly the same boat. I lost a bit of confidence in them. Payne Haas is still out for the Broncos. Matt Lodge is out for another three or four weeks. Katoni Staggs is mid-season. So they've got some big outs there, and they've named an extended interchange bench. The only person missing for the Titans is Brian Kelly. So the, the Titans are near full strength, but they just they looked really, really shaky to me. They didn't look like they had any points in them. They looked a bit scared. I think last year, the fact that they felt like they could score on anybody and they really a- attacked with vigor, the Titans gave them confidence. So you're right. I think, I don't know. I'll have to watch this game and see what they produce. I'm not really sure, but I've tipped them still because I believe in the, the cult of Jimmy Dimmick. Well, he didn't show anything last week. Can I also say, when was the last time the Titans had a Friday night Channel 9 game? Probably 2009 when yeah. Scott Prince was still playing. <laughs> God. And hey, you know, the good thing is, you know that Tavita Pangai Jr. can get a haircut before the game now. No <laughs> COVID right. restrictions. That's so right. he's going to be looking sharp. And if he plays the same way he did against Para, he makes their pack a lot more complete. He adds like an X factor to the Broncos. So... I think it's up to him to match some of the bigger guys of the Titans, but we'll see how we go. I'm still tipping the Titans, but I think it'll be a lot closer than I would have thought two weeks ago. Yeah, fair enough. All right, there you go, and I'm tipping the Broncos, so so we'll see how that all ends up. First game on Super Saturday is, uh, and again, it might not be such a Super Saturday once you see the game. Wet, wet Saturday. Bulldogs <laughs> versus Panthers. Um, Next. a dollar fifteen favourites, the Panthers. The Dogs are $2.50, uh, $5.50, sorry. The line is 15 and a half points to the Dogs. The only way you will come in under the line is if it's absolutely bucketing down like it's meant to be and the game gets tight. And the game's called off, you mean? Wet weather rule. So uh, <laughs> the Panthers don't have anyone out. You got, you've still got Luke Thompson, who's suspended till round five. Jaden Ockenbaugh is mid to late season. And Christian Crichton's gone for the season. So otherwise, they both teams should line up unchanged. Um, I cannot see. I actually think this will be eighteen plus if if there's any semblance of dryness at Bankwest Stadium. Well, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you why is this game at Bankwest? Don't know actually. You're a question. You're, <laughs> you're a doggies fan. Once again, G's done quite a bit of research coming into this game. I don't know. 
I think they wanted to play some games at Bankwest. So you'll probably find a few home games at Bankwest. And it's a good stadium, to be honest. But <laughs> Is this, that's the, that's your analysis. I'm, I'm clutching at straws, yeah. Why are the doggies playing at Bankwest? It's a good stadium. That I don't want to play Belmore. I don't know. Look, again, if this was a dry, dry game, I think they it'll be twenty plus. I think the wet will tighten it up a little bit, but I still think Penrith will at least win by twelve. It's I think comfortable. It'll be good. a comfortable win. Yeah, I agree. I think the most important thing you know you got to remember is some of these teams, the Penrith, the Roosters, the Melbourne. Their defence is so fast as well. Well, their line speed, their line speed's great. It's the line speed, the way they slide and they cover. So to attack them, you need to be really direct and play very quick. The Bulldogs just don't do that. They play better than they did under Dean Pay, but I think I could have coached better than Dean Pay. And um, but it's just not going to be good enough. So yeah, Penrith. I. It's a matter of by how many. Yeah, I agree with that. Unfortunately, so we're both tipping the Panthers there. So moving on to the next game, the Sea Eagles versus Rabbitohs. Uh, this. <laughs> They're, they're, they're obviously upgrading Lotto Land, getting rid of asbestos, all the usual things you do with Lotto Land. It's, it's 5.30 on Not-So-Super Saturday. Do, do you reckon that was part of the Paramanly rivalry that James Hardy just went and Somewhat, yeah, yeah, asbestos and Brookvale? Correct. The, the, the Rabbitohs are $1.31 favourites. The Seagulls are $3.50. The Seagulls have got eight and a half points start. In terms of the players, obviously Tommy Turbo's out. He's still a few weeks away from coming back. Ola Kauatu is out indefinitely, and Georgie Tafua and Manasseh Fanu is stood down indefinitely um, for the Seagulls. For the Rabbitohs, Hami Sele is out for another couple of weeks. Blake Tafe, Tane Milne, Braden Burns, Jed Cartwright, and Brock Gardner remain out, but otherwise are close to their best 13 for. For other than Tommy Turbo, obviously, for both these teams. The one thing I will say is Josh Mansell got dropped after a week. He, was, he wasn't he was great last week, but uh, I, I reckon he could have been given longer than one trip to Melbourne in first grade before he got dropped. He's been replaced by Jackson Paulo. Um, so we'll see how he goes. So he's been a little, made a little bit of the scapegoat there. So that's interesting from, from Wayne Bennett. I think the Rabbitohs will win this one. Yeah, I mean, look, if they... I think the Rabbitohs will win. They'll win easily um if you're a manly fan you just hope they're a little bit better and i'm kind of sick and tired of reading how fast jason saab runs you know he reaches 34 miles per hour or 34 kilometers per but hour he doesn't across. get into open space yeah it's like okay great how about he gets at the ball in open space he's playing for a team where you know in a way you kind of wonder what he'd be like at a melbourne or even a south um but i think man look i don't know what to make of manly I don't know if they can hang with South or the Roosters just played too fast for them. I think they'll be they'll improve because they got flogged a little bit, but I can't see them beating South. No, I think South Souths will get it easily. So, so, so the last game on Not So Super Saturday is Cowboys versus Dragons up in North Queensland. This might be the only dry game of the the, the weekend. Um, I can I can think of no game that is <laughs> that, that could be. Well, maybe the Bulldogs Dragons might be the only other one that I think could could rival this one in terms of uh, I'm not sure how much interest this game's going to generate in terms of the betting. The Cowboys are a dollar fifty two favourites. The Dragons are two dollars fifty five. I think the Dragons are a show in this game. I, I actually think the Dragons might get them again. I'm tipping another upset here because um I think they showed more than the the top the Cowboys did. Um, out is Jaden Sutton injuries wise. Obviously, Cam McInnes is out for the season. Jack DeBellin case still going. Jaden Sullivan's yep. hamstrings 
till round four for the Cowboys. Kane Bradley, Tom Gilbert um, are out. But otherwise, other than Corey Norman coming into the side and Adam Clune dropping to the bench, into the extended interchange bench, no changes for these sides from round one. I actually think the Dragons will get them. What do you think? I've tipped the Cowboys solely because they're at home and, you know, they've got that fantastic stadium. So, um... Is that, is that where the Bulldogs are going to play their next home game? Which is a great stadium. I think, I think Bulldogs, so. Bulldogs versus Dragons in North Queensland. <laughs> I wouldn't surprise me if Saints won. They were, they were better last, last week. It did look like they might come back and beat the Sharks. And Cody Ramsey, Matthew Dufty, give them a little bit of strike in the backs. But if they're not doing much... You know what? It all probably comes down to Corey Norman. I think Corey Norman still has the skill. He still has the ability. It's whether Corey Norman gives a shit this week or not, basically. I think if he gives a shit, they can beat the Cowboys. If he doesn't, I think they'll struggle. Um, but I'm tipping the Cowboys. Well, who's going to organise this team around the park? Can I ask you that? Who's going to organise the Dragons this weekend? Is it going to be Andrew McCulloch? I'd imagine Ben so. Hunt's already been proven not to be the organiser. That's why they pick Adam Clune. I would say it's... It's McCulloch. I think McCulloch plays an integral role. And if you remember, he was the hooker when um, Ben Hunt had that fantastic season yeah. for fantastic seasons for Brisbane, right? So he was kind of the orchestrator from dummy half. So I thought McCulloch was excellent, and I expect him to be really good again this week. But they need something from their halves. I thought Clune. I think Clune's pretty good. Well, he's an organizer. He's like a Blake Green, right? He's an organizer. But Corey Norman, we've seen in the games where he sort of is up for the games. He can he can influence the games. If he's not, he kind of coasts through it. And if he does that, they're, they're done. I don't think they got enough. Fair enough. So I'm tipping the Cowboys, though. Okay, I'm tipping. I don't the... trust Norman. In Norman, I don't trust, basically. Yeah, fair enough. Good good line. We'll go with that for the byline for next week. So moving on to the Sunday games, um, your favourite referee, Adam G, is refereeing this game. Oh, perfect. The t- Tigers versus the Roosters at Campbelltown. For the Tigers, Zane Musgrove remains suspended till round three. Billy Waters is out for another. What well, Billy Walters is out for another five or six weeks, and and Sean Bloor remains out. For the Roosters, Jake Friend to be confirmed. We don't know how long he's out for. You mentioned the dislocated wrist for Adam Kieran. He's out, and again hasn't been identified yet. Angus Crichton's banned till for another for a week, and Sam Verrills is a couple of weeks away, as is Victor Radley. Um, and Billy Smith is mid-season. And Boyd Cordner, again, we don't know when he's going to be back. So based on that, the only change is Freddie Lussick coming into the side for the Roosters with the injury to, or the concussion to Jake Friend. And for the Tigers, Adam he starts his first game and he's coming in at 5'8". So I thought Adam he had a great season last year, so I think that's a big get. And Moses and Bayer moves to the bench, um, which again, thinks another good move. Uh, the, the Roosters are $1.28 favourites. The West Tigers are $3.75 and the line is 9.5. I can't see anything but a Roosters win. No, I, I think it's a, a definite. Oh, I just want to see how good the Roosters are against what appears to be a better team than Manly, although not that much better. But it'll be interesting to see what their follow-up performance is like this week. And the Roosters just, you know, people get injured and they just bring through these young guys and they just keep on performing at the same level like as much as their, you know, their salary cap's got the biggest rubber band in the world, it's um, their systems and the way they train their players and they develop their players is is fantastic. So, 
you know, they have an injury here or there and it doesn't really throw them off. So I expect them to win. With the Tigers, I really want to see how Dwayne here fits in at 5'8". I think he... He came up as a half. He came up as a half at Souths. He is. He was a halfback. So he's, you know, but he gives him that ball-playing ability from the 5'8". Then he can run and he doesn't have to be super speedy at 5'8". Fast enough is good enough. Um, and then they've got Laurie, who will probably be a little bit more comfortable. He's going to take some weeks to get used to the games and hopefully Robert settles down. They've got some strikes, so it'll be interesting to see how their attack plays out for the Tigers. But I think if they can hang in and really challenge the Roosters, that's a win. I think if they... It's, it's almost like, where do you stand this year, Wes, when you're playing up against the best team, one of the best teams in the comp, so... We're, we run a rugby league podcast, so we've got to be careful how much we downplay it. But but with these new rules, I, I, and looking at the teams, I think there's going to be four to six teams that are really good, and I think the rest are in a big bunch together that could beat anyone at any point. And I think that's... And what we said in preview, we'll see, right? But I think that's the risk at the moment. The last game of the round is probably the best game of the round, or other than the Eels Storm game. So it's one of the best games of the round, and that's that's the Sharks versus the Raiders. That's at uh, Cogra at Netstrata Jubilee. It kicks off at 6.15 on Sunday. The favourites for this game are the Raiders at $1.40 and the Sharks at $3. Um, for the Raiders... Only Jared Croker remains out, and he's still a few wait, a few weeks away. For the Sharks, Royce Hunt, Jesse Ramian, he's been banned for four weeks after his his head high shot on Matt Dufty on the weekend. It's quite a long ban, yeah. Oh, it was a, it was a terrible shot though. He had his back turned to him, right? So it wasn't a great. He was just angry. Well, I mean, it was a great shot. So Talakai's out. Sean Johnson's out, which is a big out for for the Sharks, and he's still six or seven weeks away. Bronson Jerry looks like he's going to cop his four-year suspension from Asada either this week or next. So that was four a- years. Four. Like in all honesty, like isn't that an extraordinary ban? What happened to people getting suspended for a year or two? Like what did he do? No one. It's the anabolic anabolic steroid. Oh, I know that. That's the standard ban. They increased it to four years. No, they haven't increased two. it. No, it's four years. It's always been four years. The Olympians who are like walking chemists get less than four years. Well, they, Look, how does that work? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But he's got. He looks like he's going to get four years. He's already served a year of it, though, wouldn't he? I mean, by mid. Yeah, he has. Yeah. So. So it's three more years. So, so the last last game, the favourites are a dollar. I think I mentioned that it's a dollar forty to the Raiders and three dollars to the Sharks. Mentioned the ins and outs. Otherwise, they remain largely unchanged. The only person that's come into the Sharks starting lineup is Mawani Hirodi, and that's for the suspended Jesse Ramian. And the Sharks have a five and a half point start on Sports Tab. I'm going to go with you because I'm finding this game actually really hard to tip. I'm going to, I think I'm leaning Raiders, but it wouldn't surprise me in the wet. The Sharks were really good with their handling in the wet last week in Cogra. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sharks got up in this game. And this is the dilemma with the Sharks, right? You look at the names and you think, yeah, they can probably match them. But then why aren't they in strong contention for a top five spot, for example? And that's where I'm a bit iffy about them. I thought they were okay last week. I think the Raiders will beat them because I thought the Raiders were uh, seen to play at a higher level than Cronulla. But Cronulla is also the type of team that sometimes plays up, like you said, to their to their opponent or down to their opponent. It's a hard one. I, I, I think the Raiders will win because they're a little bit better. But I think this will be a very close game. Um, and I'm, I'm waiting for a little bit more involvement from Kennedy. The rain didn't help, but I think whenever he got involved... There were glimpses. There were... Yeah, he really makes a difference in the game. So it's important that he sort of 
ups his involvement in the game. And Aiden Tolman, man of the... No, not man of the match, but yeah. I know what you're saying. All right. All right, we'll see how it goes. I was going to ask you one one thing, right? So, like, you know, you were talking about them removing asbestos from Lotto Land. Yes, yes. So if they... You know how you get occasionally illegal dumpers? If, say, Manly had an illegal dumper come and put the asbestos, you know, where South is going to score a try. Let's just call him R. Is that a... R. R. Price. Is that a... Is, would that an be a tactic? James Hardy representatives. So would that be like a a good tactic to stop South from scoring? We take the well. It might not be a good tactic to stop them scoring, but it'll be if you want to make them sick, it's probably a good tactic. Manly's got to think broadly about you know um, how to win games. I think there's there's he's always an innovator, right? Why not? I take the well, he's an innovator, but I take the piss out of Manly. But I, Brookvale is one of my favourite places to watch footy. Oh, it's bloody great! It's actually fantastic. It's a I good love it. Place to watch the footy. So uh, it's, I'm a bit sad. I hope they don't lose too much of the character. I mean, I'm obviously as a Parramatta fan, I'm not a massive fan of uh, you know Manly and all that all that sort of stuff because of the vi- ri- rivalry. But but you know I do like watching footy at Brookvale. So um, let's hope they don't hit rock like when they're building a pool or something when they when they put the new grandstand in. <laughs> they might hit oil. You never know. It's just it'll be such a rugby league thing that that they oh, we went to build the grandstand and what we've actually worked out is the. The ground is built on an ancient Indian burial ground, so we can't it's we can't up. put the grandstand up. Manly have to move to North Sydney Oval. I mean, it's, that's the type of story you get in rugby league. North Sydney Oval sitting there on the north shore of Sydney. We've just left it to the rugby union, and even the rugby union's dying there. It was such a nearsighted decision. Maybe the Bulldogs can play their home games there. Yeah, too. It's a nice stadium. The Doggies' next home game against Manly's at North Sydney. <laughs> Canterbury Banks down Bears. Oh, I think it could work. All right, I think I think we've officially come to the end of this podcast. We'll be back with you next week to preview all our incorrect tips from round two and preview round three. Another great week in the rugby league. Stay stay dry. Thank you, G. All right, I'll see you next week. And I'm leading my tipping comp after the first week, so I'm getting it in early before I start to tumble down the ladder. We're in the same tipping comp. I know you're not leading. There was people who got a perfect round. Oh, was there? Yes. You're not equal first. There were people. Who, there were three people who got a perfect round. Oh God! I'll see you next week. See you, buddy. See Bye. You.